Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast, where today we're going to be covering a lot of news in the Commanderverse and two decks, a Depala Vehicles deck and a Stonebrow Tramplers deck. Uh, I'm just going to start with a quick disclaimer. My cat decided to sit with me, so if you hear loud purring, that's why. Let's get into the news. So the first thing is at the beginning of the week, well, middle of the week, I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, there was these quote-unquote leaks for the Symbiotic Swarm deck tech. But it is most likely fake. So there's a lot of different reasons people think it's fake. For one thing, uh, there was a card in it that had been used in a past fake leak. Uh, Another reason is that the person that leaked this has done fake leaks before. And the third reason is just, it's not phrased quite right. There's a couple of different spots where it just isn't quite right. It's not exactly how they would phrase it. So, it is possible that it is real, but it's pretty unlikely. Alright, so next we have, there was a Bandon Restricted announcement. So, with this new announcement, we have no updates to Commander, but it's still relevant in many ways. In Brawl, Golos was banned Historic. Uh, uh, Oko Thief of Crowns, Once Upon a Time, Veil of Summers, uh, and Veil of Summer are all banned, and Field of the Dead is now legal. Uh, in Legacy, Underworld Breach is banned, and in Modern, Once Upon a Time is banned. And they are all effective as of now. So that's that, Uh, that's relevant for a lot of different reasons, but I'm not really gonna cover that. All right, next up was the professor at Tolarian Community College had this video where he talked about lots of new things coming in the future. So it covers a lot in that video. I'm going to go over some of the most important parts, but I would recommend that you watch it. So first of all, there is a signature spellbook Chandra. If you remember the ones of Gideon and Jace, it is the same idea. There will be eight cards and one of them at random will be foil. As per usual, there is no MSRP, but it will be similar to the other ones, roughly $20. Uh, Two of the cards have been foiled, Chandra Torch of Defiance and Past in Flames, but the other six are to be spoiled in the future. So this is pretty interesting. Uh, Maybe they'll have some good reprints, but most likely it will just be useful to people that want to build a really specific deck. Next up, we have the big news. The huge thing that is happening. So, Secret Lair Ultimate Edition. 
secret lair ultimate edition is a secret lair but instead of it going off of the website it is going to game stores the only issue with that is there's only 10 per game store uh it is all of the enemy colored fetches uh they are not foil and it will be releasing on may 29th as per usual there is no msrp but it is expected to sell at quote unquote a bit more than 165 dollars and it's not the only place that fetches will be reprinted um but they we know that the fetches will be reprinted at some point again in this year not necessarily the same ones and that it will not be standard and that it will be sent to the lgs's so this is huge because being able to get five fetch lands for 165 dollars is amazing it's just a really good deal and you're probably not going to have very many opportunities to do this i am actually going to attempt to buy this but my prediction is that it's going to be hard to find it for that 165 dollars because as I said before, there's only 10 per game store, which really isn't very many. So, I don't know. I, I don't think the enemy, the fetch land prices will go down by too much. They will definitely go down, but not by that much. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, it's great to be able to get the fetches. But with only 10 per game store, it's going to be really hard to get your hands on this. Uh, next up is this thing. They just gave us a small amount of information. So they said in the summer, about one week after Secret Lair Ultimate Edition, there will be five days in a row of Secret Lair drops and one day where you can buy all five of them. And if you do that, you will get a random one of those fetch lands that is in Secret Lair Ultimate Edition. So that's, I mean, if those five, five Secret Lair drops are good value, then that is certainly a good deal. But otherwise, it's pretty questionable. Uh, yeah. But again, just having a random fetch land adds like $40 of value. Plus, you're going to have probably good value in all the secret lair drops and you're going to get a discount off of the total price. We go with what they did before. It's probably going to be $160 and you're going to get $40 back from the fetch land. And you're probably going to get even more than that back from other things. So... It's certainly a good deal, um, but of course, buying fatigue is a thing. All right, so real quick, I'm going to explain the Commander Quest. So the Commander Quest is my eventual goal in building all these decks. So I'm building like roughly 300 decks with no overlap in cards. So, eventually, I will have built decks with every single card in Magic that is legal in Commander. That is my eventual goal, that is what I'm working on, and that is what these decks are a part of. So, if you're like, why isn't this card in there? 
it's because it's really limited and I'm trying to balance these for this scenario. I'm not balancing them for play. I do when that's possible. And I do want them to be as close as possible to playable, but I'm trying to make all of these decks that. And that's really difficult. So it's not any type of competitive deck. All right, it is time to get into the decks. So first, we're, first off, we're gonna talk about a Boros Vehicles deck. So the commander of this is Dapala, Pilot Exempl um, Exemplar. Dapala Pilot Exemplar is ren one red-white for a legendary creature dwarf pilot. Other dwarves you control get plus one, plus one, and each vehicle you control gets plus one, plus one, as long as it's a creature. And when Dapala Pilot Exemplar becomes tapped, you may pay X. If you do, reveal the top X cards of your library. Put all dwarf and vehicle cards from among them into your hand. Then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this means that you get to look Basically, it just pumps up my vehicles and pumps up my dwarves, and when I use it to crew my vehicles, I can pay mana to draw cards. I don't have a huge amount of dwarves in here, but I do have some. It's basically just a little sub-theme because I can get some extra value off of cards being dwarves. Alright, let's get into the categories. So, first of all, we just have the vehicles. I've got a lot of these, but they're all just the same idea. They're vehicles, so I can get them draw. I can draw off them with Dapala, and I can just get them crewed and just attack people. Uh, first, we have Aradara Express. It's five for a artifact vehicle menace. Crew four, eight, six. Tap any number of creatures you control with power four or more. This vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. Uh, next is Ballista Charge for Vehicle, and it says when Ballista Charger attacks, it deals 1 damage to target creature or player, and it is a 6-6. Six, six. It has Crew 3. Tap any number of creatures you control with power 3 or more. This, creature bec this vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. Though so this is just another crew creature. Conqueror's Galleon is four for a 210. When Conqueror's Galleon attacks, exile it at, the, at end of combat. Then return it to the battlefield transformed under your control. And it has crew four. Tap any number of creatures you control with total power four or more. This vehicle becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. So uh, I'm gonna stop reading crew from now on, but the flip side of it is Conqueror's Foothold, land, tap, add colors to mana pool, two, tap, draw a card, then discard a card, four, tap, draw a card, six, tap, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So, uh, we have Consulate Dreadnought, one mana, seven, eleven, crew six, uh, Cultivator's Caravan, Caravan, three mana, five, five, crew three, tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Uh, Demolition Stomper, 
6, Artifact Vehicle 10-7, Crew 5, Can't Be Blocked by Creatures with Power 2 or Less. Dusk Legion Dreadnought, 5, 4, 6, Crew 2, Vigilance. Enchanted Carriage, 5, 4, 4, Vehicle. Uh, when Enchanted Carriage enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one white mouse creature tokens. Next up is Fleet Wheel Cruiser. Fleet Wheel Cruiser is four for another vehicle, and it says it has trample and haste. It's at 5-3. When Fleet Wheel Cruiser enters the battlefield, it becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. And it has crew three to crew two. Tap any number of creatures you control with total power two or more. This vehicle becomes an artifact creature with or until end of turn. So, basically you can just attack with it right away, smash someone for 5 damage, which is a lot, it adds up, and then you can just keep on attacking. Now it might just die the first time, but that also might not happen, so yeah. Uh, Heart of Kirin. Heart of Kirin is 2 for a legendary artifact vehicle. Flying, Vigilance, Crew 3, 4-4. Four, four. You may remove a loyalty counter from a Planeswalker you control rather than pay Heart of Kirin's mana cost. I do not have any Planeswalkers in this deck, sadly. So you cannot do that. It's just a 2-mana 4-4, four, four, Flying, Vigilance, Crew, crew 3. Which is still quite good. Iron Tread Crusher is 4466 crew 3. Mizium tank is one red red for a 3-2 artifact vehicle and it has crew 1. Trample. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Mizium tank becomes an artifact creature and gets plus one plus one until end of turn. So my vehicles will get triggered by that. Or my vehicles will trigger that of which I have quite a lot. If I were to sort by types, then you'd find out that I only actually have not too many, 28 creatures. It's not, I know, not too many is a little bit deceiving, but it still isn't that much. Um. Whatever. There, that means that there's 34 cards in here, so I'll draw at least three or maybe even four per game. So it works. It works really well. Next is Mobile Garrison. Mobile Garrison is three for an artifact creature, artifact vehicle. When, whenever Mobile Garrison attacks, untap another target artifact or creature you control. Crew two. And it is a th and it is a three four, so I can just untap the things that I tap uh, that I use to corrupt, meaning that I'll have some blockers. Uh, next is Oval Chase Dragster. Oval Chase Dragster is four for a six one Trample Haste Crew one. Uh, this is just another way to smash in for a lot of damage really quickly. Um. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but this can just help end the game. Next up is Parhelion 2. 
Parhelion 2 is 6 white white for a legendary artifact vehicle. Flying for strike vigilance. Whenever Parhelion 2 attacks, create 2 4 4 white white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking. And it has crew 4. If you can attack with this just a couple of times, it is enough to win you the game. Yes, it is 8 mana, and yes, it does. you do have to have 4 power to crew it. But, if you do have those things, then it becomes quite easy to win, just because it pumps out so, so much damage. Next is Peace Walker Colossus. Peace Walker Colossus is 3 for an artifact vehicle. 1 in a white, another target vehicle you control becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. And it has crew 4. 6-6. Six, six. This is just a way to rather than tapping my creatures, I can spend my mana. So that means I could kill my opponents faster by attacking them both with my creatures and with my vehicles. Although a lot of the time it's better to just cast my spells. And then I can just attack with Peacewalker Colossus because crew does not require the creatures to be able to tap because the crew ability taps it, taps them, not the creatures tapping themselves. So if a creature does not have haste, it will not matter. It can still use um, a crew ability. It can still be used for a crew ability, even if. It is summoning sick. Next is Renegade Freighter. Freighter. Whatever. Uh, three for an artifact vehicle. When it enters, when it attacks, it gets plus one, plus one, and gains trample until end of turn. And crew two, and it's a four three. So it's sort of like a five four when it's attacking, and it's a four three when it's blocking. And crew two is relatively small. Uh, shadowed. Caravel. Shadowed Caravel is 2 for a 2-2 artifact vehicle. Whenever a creature you control explores, put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on Shadowed Caravel. I might end up cutting this at some point in the future if I make an explore deck, but at this point, I think it's just better better here because I don't think that an explore deck really exists very much. Um, I don't know. I might like make a note of it or something, but I don't think that's really a thing. Next up is Sky Stiff. Sky Stiff is two for an artifact creature, two three with flying, and it has crew one. So Sky Sovereign Console Flagship is 5 for 6-5 flying, and when it enters the battlefield or attacks, it deals 3 damage to target creature or planeswalker an opponent controls, and it has crew 3. So it's just a good way to get rid of your opponent's creatures. 3 damage can kill quite a lot of things. Sleek Schooner is 3 for an artifact vehicle. Crew 1. 4-3. Thundering Chariot is 4 for an artifact vehicle, 3-3. Three, three. First Strike, Trample, Haste, Crew, 1. Untethered Express is 4 for an artifact vehicle, 
Trample, whenever it attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Crew one, and it's a four, four. So it'll just get big, bigger as you're attacking. So if you didn't figure it out yet, the idea of this deck is to cast ton of tons of vehicles, crew them with my creatures, use Dapala to draw more, and just keep on casting vehicles and things that can crew my vehicles until I win. This deck can also be really redundant because it has 30, something like 30 creatures. I can, I can just use those and sure, my 25-ish vehicles might start to die, but that's fine because I can just cast them again. So that is the vehicles category. Uh, now we're gonna move on to the driver category. So these are cards that uh, they might have a small advantage otherwise, but the almost the complete purpose for them is just to be crewing vehicles. So first of all, we have Aerial Responder. Aerial Responder is one white white for a 2-3 creature dwarf soldier, flying Vigilance lifelink. So this works either way, if I either just want to attack with my Aerial Responder, or if I want to have so to gain some life and get through with some damage. Plus, because it has Vigilance, if I want to be able to block with a crew creature, I can just save it. Plus, because it is a dwarf, it will get plus one, plus one from Dipala's ability. Audacious, Audacious Infiltrator is one in a white for a creature dwarf war, dwarf rogue, so it gets plus one plus one, three one, so it's a four two really, and it can't be blocked by artifact creatures. Mainly, I just get from two mana, I get four power to be able to crew with. Uh, Ariak Sun Chaser is one in a white for a creature human soldier, metalcraft. As long as you control three or more artifacts. Oriok Sun, Sun Chaser gets plus two, plus two, and has flying. So, this just means that I can have three power for two mana to crew things with, as long as I have three things that can be crewed, which I most likely will. Uh, I am actually running a lot of artifacts in here, plus I have an, a couple of artifact creatures, etc. Uh, Chrome Steed. Chrome Steed is 4 for an artifact creature horse. Metalcraft. Chrome Steed gets plus 2 plus 2 as long as you control 3 or more artifacts. Uh, this is pretty simple. Uh, it's just another way to crew effectively. Crackdown Construct. Crackdown Construct is 4 for an artifact creature construct. Whenever you activate an ability of an artifact or creature that isn't a mana ability, Crackdown Construct gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So this will get pretty large because whenever I tap my creatures to crew creatures, Crackdown Construct will get plus one, plus one. So it can either get really large and I can attack or it can get somewhat large and I can crew. Either way, it is great value. Uh, Daring Archaeologist. Daring Archaeologist is three for a th is three and a white for a three three creature human artificer. When daring archaeologist enters the battlefield, you may return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. 
and whenever you cast a historic spell, put a plus one plus one counter on Daring Archaeologist. Uh, so artifacts, legendaries, and sagas are historic. Um, that's really great. First of all, it can get big. Second of all, it can get my artifacts back. And third of all, it's just great for crewing with creatures. And I might even be able to attack someone for a lot. Next is Galma's Warden. Galma's Warden is three and a white for a two-four creature elephant soldier. Metalcraft. Galma's Warden gets plus two plus two as long as you control three or more artifacts. So this is just another thing that I can crew with for relatively cheap. As long as I control three or more artifacts, which I almost definitely will. Then it will be a 4-6, and I can do a lot. Next up, we have Hellkite Igniter, which honestly isn't that great for um, crewing stuff, but whatever. I'll explain it in a minute. Hellkite Igniter is 5 red red for a 5-5 flying haste dragon. 1 in red. Hellkite Igniter gets plus X plus O until end of turn, where X is the number of artifacts you control. This is just a way to get a ton of damage in, and if I can't, then I might be able to crew some vehicles. But really, there isn't just a great category to put this in, so I threw it in here because that's the plan B. Next up is Inventor's Apprentice. Inventor's Apprentice is red for a 1-2 creature human artificer. Inventor's Apprentice gets plus one, plus one, and one as long as you control an artifact. Uh, and so that's a 2-3 that can help me crew my stuff. Next is Joyra's Toolbox. Joyra's Toolbox is two for one-one artifact creature. Two regenerate target artifact creature. So if my vehicles or my many artifact creatures decide that they're are gonna die, then I can just use Joyra's Toolbox to have them survive. So next up we have Order of White Clay. Order of White Clay is one white white for a 1-4 creature Kithkin cleric. One white white tap, untap, sorry. Return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to play. So not only can I use mana to through my stuff, but also it is great recursion. If I look at my curve, I can see that most of my cards are three or less. And yeah, I'd say that's accurate. I've got a huge spike at three with 20 cards, two with 13, and one with four. If you look at my curve, you can see that roughly two-thirds of my cards are less than three are three CMC or less. So it's great because I can pay mana to crew my vehicles and I can also get my stuff back, which I can use the stuff that I get back to then crew my vehicles. Although it does say creatures, so that does limit it a little bit more, but you get the idea. There's probably roughly 15 cards in this deck that I can just get right back into the battlefield. Next is Patrol Signaler. Patrol Signaler is one in a white for a creature Kithkin Soldier. One in a white, untap. 
put a 1-1 white Kithkin soldier creature token into play. And that means it's a 1-1. So not only am I producing tons of Kithkins by tapping it and untapping it over and over again, but each time I do that, I'm essentially paying two for a crew cost. And in the future, it's cumulative because I'll keep my Kithkins. Because in the future, I can use those for crew. Next up is Bastion Enforcer. Bastion Enforcer is just two and a white for a three two. But because it's a dwarf, it's essentially a four three because of Dipala. It's just a really bad card, and I thought that I could leverage it well in this deck. Next is Razorfield Rhino. Razorfield Rhino is 6 for a 4-4 artifact creature Rhino. Metalcraft. Razorfield Rhino gets plus 2, plus 2 as long as you control 3 or more artifacts. So it could be a 6-6 six, six for 6 mana, which I guess isn't that impressive. But... Anyways, it is quite playable in this deck. Next is Slag Fiend. Slag Fiend is red for a star star. Slag Fiend's power and toughness are each equal to the number of artifact cards in all graveyards. Uh, in the early game, this isn't going to be that large. But in the late game, this will get larger and larger. Because... Most likely, maybe someone will cast an Artifact Rad spell, or something. There's a hundred different ways that there could be a lot of artifacts in the graveyard, and really, we don't have that high expectations for this. It could be relatively small, and still be quite good. Next is Toolcraft Exemplar. Toolcraft Exemplar is white for a 1-1. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control an artifact, Toolcraft Exemplar gets plus two plus one until end of turn. If you control three or more artifacts, it also gains first strike until end of turn. So I can get three crewing power for one mana. So those are the two largest categories. Cards that are either just vehicles or the cards that are either just there to pump. Next are categories that are basically mostly still in those two categories but have additional utility. So na na the next category of those is pump. So pump is just cards that make either my vehicles or most likely my vehicles, but potentially my creatures even larger. So for as, as an example, we have Aether Shield Artificer. Aether Shield Artificer is three and a white for a 3-3 creature dwarf artificer. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target artifact creature you control gets plus two, plus two, and gains indestructible until end of turn. So, not only do I have three power to crew with, but also my vehicle gets plus two, plus two, and indestructible. Next is Chief of the Foundry. Chief of the Foundry is three for an artifact creature construct. Other artifact creatures you control get plus one, plus one. And it is a two, three. So not only can I pump all of my vehicles, but I can also pump my artifact creatures that I might wanna tap in order to pump my vehicles, in order to crew my vehicles. So that's really helpful. 
Next is Dwer Durgar Durgar Mine Captain. Durgar Mine Captain is two hybrid red white, and it's a two one dwarf soldier. One hybrid red white untap attacking creatures you can attacking creatures get plus one plus zero until end of turn. Untap is the untap symbol. So basically, uh, this means technically you can't crew and then attack. So how you would have to do it is you crew a vehicle, you untap, you attack with with all the vehicles that are crewed. You can then untap War Guard Mine Captain and give the attacking creatures plus one plus oh. They have to have been declared attacking in order to get pumped. So, sadly, you cannot use Dwergar Mine Captain to crew more multiple vehicles and get the pump benefit at the same time. But you can use different combinations of that. Next is Jorkadeen the Prevailer. Jorkadeen the Prevailer is three red, three red white for a 5-4 legendary creature human warrior with first strike. Metalcraft. Creatures you control get plus three plus so as long as you control three or more artifacts. So your vehicles can make your vehicles bigger. And Jorkadeen is five mana so you can use him to crew just about anything. Next is Siege Modifications. Siege Modifications is one in red red for an enchantment or enchant creature or vehicle. As long as enchanted creature permanent is a vehicle, it's a creature in addition to its other types. Enchanted creature gets plus three plus O and has first strike. This means that I can just skip the crew on one of my creatures. This is especially helpful if I have a creature with a really large crew cost. So it's a great way to just get around it. Next is start your engines. Start your engines is three and a red for sorcery. Vehicles you control become artifact creatures until end of turn. Creatures you control get plus two plus O oh until end of turn. So you can turn all your vehicles until in, into artifact creatures and then attack with all of your creatures, including your actual creatures that will all have plus two plus O. Oh, this is a great way to end the game. Next is Tempered Steel. Tempered Steel is one white white for an enchantment. Artifact creatures you control get plus two plus two. This is just a great way to pump out some extra damage. Plus two plus two is quite a lot. And as I've said before, not only does it pump your artifacts, your vehicles, but it can also pump your coincidental artifact creatures. Next up, we have the removal category. We have Cotton the Brights. Cotton the Brights is two and a white for an enchantment or enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't attack or block. Whenever a vehicle you control attacks, exile exile enchanted creature so it's just a way to kill their creature and most likely be able to exile it uh it's just not really as playable here it's not really as playable anywhere else as it is here so that's why it's in the deck next we have fairgrounds warden 
Fairgrounds Warden is two and a white for creature dwarf soldier. When Fairgrounds Warden enters battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until Fairgrounds Warden leaves the battlefield. And it is a 1-3. So it's just a good way to remove my opponent's stuff. Um, plus, it is a dwarf. So it will get pumped by Tapala. Next up is Heliod's Intervention. X white white for an instant, choose one. Destroy up to X, uh, sorry, destroy X target artifacts and or enchantments, and target player gains twice X life. You're almost always just gonna choose artifact to destroy the artifacts and or enchantments, but the second thing is technically an option. Maybe you might want to sometimes use that. Uh, next up is Wear and Tear. Wear and Tear is a split card. Wear is one in a red. It has Fuse. You may cast one or both halves of this card from your hand. It has Wear, which is one in a red. Destroy target artifact. Instant. Tear, which is one in a red. Or, sorry, which is a white. Instant. Destroy target enchantment. So, you could just get rid of your opponent's artifacts and enchantments. Or creatures, depending on these cards. I would love for there to be more removal, but I'm not sure exactly how I could do that without running actually playable cards. So next up we have the draw category. In Boros I managed to get 7 card draw spells. Uh, first we have, and the commander's draw too. First we have Bomat Bizarre Barge. Bomat Bizarre Barge is 4 for a 5-5 artifact vehicle. When Bomat Bizarre Barge enters the battlefield, draw a card. And it has crew 3. And it is a 5-5. So I guess it's not conventional draw, but it replaces itself, which is really nice. Uh, next is Daredevil Dragster. Uh, Daredevil Dragster is 3 for an artifact vehicle. The beginning of combat, if Daredevil Dragster attacked or blocked this turn, put a Velocity counter on it. And then if it has two or more Velocity counters on it, sacrifice it and draw two cards. And it has crew two. So eventually you can draw two off of it. And in the meantime, it's just a 4-4 that can crew two. Next up, we have Dwarven Recruiter. Dwarven Recruiter is 2 in a red for a creature dwarf. When Dwarven Recruiter comes into play, search your library for any number of dwarf cards and reveal those cards. Shuffle your library, then put them on top of it, of it in any order. So that wouldn't seem like card draw until you read Dipala. Dipala says, whenever Dipala pilot exemplar becomes tapped, you may pay X. If you do, reveal the top X cards of your library. Put all dwarf and vehicle cards from among them into your hand, then put the rest on the bottom of your library into the, in, in a random order. So, what you can do is just stack your deck, stack the top of your deck with tons and tons of dwarf cards. Then you can pay X, where X is the number of dwarf cards, and get all of the dwarves in your deck, probably. So it's just a great way to draw a ton of dwarfs. Sadly, you won't get lands or anything, so hopefully you don't need that. But it's just another way to get some.
All right, next up is Reckless Racer. Reckless Racer is two and a red for two, three creature human pilot with first strike. Whenever Reckless Racer becomes tapped, you may discard a card if you do draw a card. If you haven't noticed, this includes cards that loot and cards that just get me to draw a card once. This category. But that is still helpful in a Boros deck. Next up, we have Restoration Specialist. Restoration Specialist is one in a white for a 2-1 creature dwarf artificer. White Sacrifice Restoration Specialist. Return up to one target artifact card and up to one target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So I can just get two things back. While I am not running very many enchantments in this deck, if I'm lucky I might be able to get one. Plus, at the end of the day, I can still get, almost always, get at least one. Next up is Smuggler's Copter. Smuggler's Copter is two for an artifact creature with flying. Whenever Smuggler's Copter attacks or blocks, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card, and it has crew one. It's a 3-3. Three, three. So this is a quite good card, and is actually run in a lot of commander decks as a way to get value in the early game. Aw, it's my kitty again. Hi, you're back. Um, so this is quite good and a little bit of a stretch included here, but I do believe that it is better here than it would be in almost any other deck. Next up, we have Weatherlight. Weatherlight is four for, an, uh, for a legendary artifact vehicle flying. Whenever Weatherlight deals combat damage to a player, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a historic card from among them and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Artifacts, legendary saga, and sagas are historic. And it has crew three. So this just basically lets me get a vehicle from the top of my So if we take the roughly 30 artifacts we have, and we know that our, sa our size that we are looking at is five cards, then we know that we have an 84% chance of getting a historic spell. The number 30 is not perfect, but it is. So the next category is crew benefit. So these are cards that either give benefit to my vehicles when I use them to crew, or they give benefit just statically. For example, gear shift ace. Gearshift Ace is one in a white for a creature dwarf pilot, so it's really a 3-2, 2-1, with first strike. Whenever Gearshift Ace crews a vehicle, that vehicle gains first strike until end of turn. So this is just a good way to get some value and by crewing your vehicle. Hi, kitty! Um, so my cat is here. I don't know if she is going to come over or not, but whatever you might hear uh next up is speedway fanatic speedway fanatic is one and a white for a two one creature human pilot whenever speedway fanatic crews a vehicle that vehicle gains haste until end of turn so this is just a great way to deal some damage quickly plus it also has haste which is really nice Next up is Veteran Motorist. Veteran Motorist is red-white for a creature dwarf pilot 3-1. So, really, it says, whenever Veteran Motorist enters the battlefield, scry 2. 
and whenever veteran motorists cruise a vehicle, that vehicle gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So this is a good way to get a little bit of extra damage. Next is Renegade Wheelsmith. Renegade Wheelsmith is one red-white for a creature dwarf pilot, so it will get pumped by Dapala, and it's a 3-2, but really a 4-3 because Dapala will pump it. And it says, whenever Renegade Wheelsmith becomes tapped, target creature can't block this turn. So it's just a way to get a little bit of evasion, or if an opponent has a big creature that could kill your stuff, you can just stop that. Next is Aeronaut Admiral. Aeronaut Admiral is 3 for a 3-1 human pilot with flying. Vehicles you control have flying. So again, it is just pump. So that is all of the categories. If you see this deck, it is just using your vehicle, using your creatures to pump and to attack with your vehicles and you can just attack and you can draw off Dapala and there's a lot of different ways to do it. So that is that deck. Um, I'm running 37 lands, 17 mountains, and 27 plains. I'm running 23 vehicles, uh, 5 things that benefit from crewing, 16 drivers, seven things that draw, seven things that pump, and four pieces of removal. Uh, these numbers are not optimal, but they work for this. And this deck is $33, but really $28, because lands should not count, but they do because I have them right now. Uh, all right, next up we have this deck. This deck is a Stonebrow Crosin Hero deck. Stonebrow Crosin Hero is three red green for a 4-4 legendary creature centaur warrior with trample. Whenever a creature you control with trample attacks, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So if you've seen any of the episodes other than this one so far, you know then I'm just running 61 cards with random, 61 bad cards with trample. I'm running 38 lands, 21 forests, 15 mountains, Kessig Wolf Run, and Scarg the Rage Pit. Kessig Wolf Run is a land, and you can tap it for a colorless, or you can tap X and red green. Tap target creature gets plus X plus O and gains trample until end of turn. So you can give your creature plus two plus two baseline from Stonebrow, and you can give it plus X plus O from Kessig Wolfrine. Next is Skarg the Rage Pits. Skarg the Rage Pits is a land and you can tap it for colorless, or you can pay red, green, and tap it. Target creature gets plus one plus one and gains trample until end of turn. So really it's more like plus three plus three. Next up are the trample creatures so as i said before i am running 61 trample creatures so i'm gonna go through them really quickly and have breaks in between because nobody wants me to hear wants to hear me read 61 cards for like five minutes just listing every single one that's pretty boring 
I'm gonna try and break it up. Uh, I'm not sure in the future, I think I might decide not to have the, not to read every single card, but I do think it would be awesome to have read every single card on this podcast. So if you listen to every single episode, you will have been exposed to every single card. So first off, we have Charging Badger. Charging Badger is green for a 1-1 Trample Badger. And that's it. Spark Elemental, red, 3-1 Trample Haste, end of turn, sack it. Stampede Driver, green, 1-1 Human Spell Shaper, one green, tap, discard a card, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and trample. Garrick's Companion, green, green, 3-2 Trample. Neff, Crop Entangler, one, red, 2-1, trample, you can exert it to give it plus one, plus two. Uh, Pygmy Razorback, one, green, 2-1, trample. Seder Rambler, one, red, 2-1, trample. Ball Lightning, red, 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 6-1, trample, haste. At the end step, sack it. Earthen Goo, two, red, ooze, trample, 2-2, cumulative upkeep, Red or green, it gets plus one, plus one for each age counter on it. Fanatic of Xenagos, one. Red, green, three, three, trample, tribute one. As this creature enters the battlefield, an opponent of your choice may place a plus one, plus one counter on it. And when Fanatic of Xenagos enters the battlefield, if tribute wasn't paid, it gets plus one, plus one, and gains haste until end of turn. So either I can attack them for six, or they can wait a turn, and I can attack them for seven. Either way, well, I can still attack them, sorry, six and then five in the future, or they can wait a turn and I can just attack them with six forever. Honestly, it's probably better if my opponents do pay the tribute, just because it's such a large creature. But it's super de- super scenario dependent. Uh, Feral Ridge Wolf, two and a red for a one, two creature wolf trample, one red Fer- Feral Ridge Wolf gets plus two plus oh until end of turn. Groundbreaker, green, 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 6-1, trample, haste, end of turn, sacrifice it. So, as you see, I just have tons of creatures with trample that I can attack with and deal damage. It's just a way to kill my opponents really quickly. Hopefully, I can just kill them all before they start playing good cards. Uh, Because of the huge pump from Stonebrow, plus two, plus two, I can deal quite a lot of damage quite quickly. But if they start, if they kill Stonebrow over and over again, I am in quite a sticky situation. Uh, Next up is Stampede Rider. Stampede Rider is two and a red for Creature Seder. Trample. At the beginning of each combat, if you control a creature with power four or greater, Stampede Rider gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Guess what? Stonebrow has power four. So Stampede Rider will get plus one, plus one from its ability, plus two, plus two from Stonebrow's ability, and it will attack as a five, six, four, three mana. Next is Viashino Grappler. Viashino Grappler is two and a red for three, one Viashino. Green Viashino Grappler gains trample until end of turn, and it is a three, one. Warden of the Chained. One red, green, four, four, trample. Can't attack unless you control another creature with power four or greater. 
Stone Bear has four or greater, so it's a 6-6, six, six, and then it attacks as four, three mana. Blistering Firecat, one, red, 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 seven, one, trample, haste, end of turn, sacrifice it. Morph, red, red, you may play this face down as a creature for three, then turn it up any, face up any time for its morph cost. Crazed Armadon, Crazed Armadon, two, green, 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 for three, three, green. Crazed Armadon gets plus three, plus zero, and gains trample until end of turn. At end of turn, destroy Crazed Armadon. Use this ability only once each turn. So, uh, yeah, it can get, it can attack for eight, which is quite a lot. Fester Hide Boar, three and a green for three, three trample. Morbid, Fester Hide Boar enters the battlefield with two plus one, plus one counters on it if a creature died this turn. Uh, Fierce Witch Stalker. Two green green for four four trample when fierce witch stalker enters the battlefield create a food token. Frenzied Erinx is two red green for a three three trample cat beast, and it has riot. This creature enters the battlefield with your choice of a plus one plus one counter or haste, and four red green frenzied Erinx gets plus three plus zero until end of turn. So I can either attack for five mana and it ha will have haste or five damage and it'll have haste or for six damage and it will not have haste either way works it just depends basically if you can kill someone or seriously damage them just give it haste if not then just don't give it haste and give it the plus one plus one counter next up is gore clan rampager well actually stop the best way to choose this is to figure out how long it would take your opponent, how long it would take to kill all of your opponents with small amounts of damage from them implied. Uh, with it using the haste or, and then with it not using the haste. You would also want to factor in how long it would take to kill one opponent. So there's a lot of factors, but you would like to calculate those numbers in order to make the best decision. Uh, I don't know why I shortcut that. Next is Gore Clan Rampager. Two red, green, four, four, creature beast. Blood Rush, red, green, discard it. Target attacking creature gets plus four, plus four, and gains trample. That can be a lot of damage for two mana and can help me kill my opponent. Giant Solifuge. Two hybrid red green, hybrid red green, four one insect, trample, haste, shroud. Uh, Havoc devils, two red red, four three, trample. Runaway carriage, four five six, trample. Whenever runaway carriage attacks or blocks, sack it at end of combat. At the end of the day, it is four mana for like seven damage. That is a lot of damage, and I don't care if it dies in combat because it would die anyways. That ability is not as bad as it would make it seem. Next is Sabertooth Outrider. Sabertooth Outrider is three in a red for a 4-2 trample. Formidable. When Saber, whenever Sabertooth Rider attacks, if, you, if creatures you control have total power eight or greater, Sabertooth Outrider gains first strike until end of turn. So with Stonebrow, uh, Sabertooth would be a 6-4, and Stonebrow would be a 4-4. Uh, four, four. So I would have more than enough for my creatures to have power, power 8 or greater, even if I do stack the triggers in the wrong way. 
So the correct way to stack it would be so that Stonebrow would trigger Sabretooth so that it gets bigger, and then Sabretooth Outrider ability would it would trigger. That way you have more power. But it doesn't matter much either way, you would still have a total of 8 power. Uh, or 10 power. Either way, you'd have a total power of 8 or greater, and you don't get any more benefit if it is greater. Next is Shifting Ceratops. 2 green green for creature dinosaur, 5-4. This spell can't be countered. Protection from blue. Green Shifting Ceratops gains your choice of reach, trample, or haste until end of turn. So, you could just get some damage in with that. Uh, vestige, vestige of Emrakul is 3 in a red for 3-4 Devoid Trample. This, this card has no color. War Mammoth is 3 in a green for 3-3 three, three Trample. Wild Elephant is 3 in a green for 3-3 three, three Trample. Yavamaya Ants is 2 green green for a 5-1 Trample Haste. Cumulative upkeep green green. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an age counter on this creature, then sacrifice it unless you pay green green for each age counter on it. Arborback Stomper, three green green for a creature beast trample five four. When it enters the battlefield, you gain five life. Blitz Hellion, three green red green for a seven seven trample haste. At end of turn, Blitz Hellion's owner shuffles it into his or her library. So first of all, if you're about to deck yourself, you can cast Blitz Helion over and over again so that you don't. That's a very, very small upside. But really, it's just 5 mana for 9 damage that you might be able to draw again. So that's really helpful. Uh, 9 damage is quite a lot, and you'll probably be able to kill someone. Charging Monster Sore or Red Green 5-5 five, five, Trample Haste. Charging Tuscadon. 3 red red 4-4 four, four, trample. If it would deal combat damage to a player, it deals double that damage to that player instead. So if it's unblocked, that would be 12 damage because it's the 4, it's, it's the plus 2 from Stonebrow, so it's 6, and then it would deal double. Now, I'm sure that it wouldn't, it would probably be blocked to avoid that damage, but even so, if you just block with something with 3 toughness, for example, it's still going to deal 6 damage to you. It just adds up quickly because of that doubling. Next up is Cinder Hellion. Cinder Hellion is 4 and a red for a 4-4 trample. When Cinder Hellion enters the battlefield, it deals 2 damage to target opponent. Crumbling Colossus is 5 for a 7-4 trample. When it, when, it, when it attacks, sack it at end of combat. Uh... Domri's Notarog. Domri's Notarog is three red green for a five two trample. Whenever when Domri's Notarog enters the battlefield, you may search your library and or graveyard for a card, a card named Domri City Smasher. Reveal it and put it into your hand. If you searched your library this way, shuffle it. I looked up what Domri City Smasher did, and it wasn't really great to include in this deck. And the synergy I get from having Domri's Notarog is quite small. So I just decided not to include it. Uh, maybe if I decide that I want to take a, a card out of this deck, for example, if there's some type of tribe in here that I want to take out some cards for, 
then I might end up adding in Domri. But for now, I have not done any edits to Dex, and for now, I will keep this in without Domri. Next is Gerard's Irregulars. Gerard's, Irregular, Gerard's Irregulars is four in red for a 4-2 Trample Haste Soldier. Uh, Gorilla Berserkers, three green green, two three Trample Rampage two, can't be blocked by fewer than three creatures. So basically unblockable. The odds that your opponents have three creatures that they are, that they are willing to block with is quite low. And if they do that, it sucks because it's probably going to die because it's three creatures. Gorilla Titan. Three green green, four four trample, gets plus four plus four as long as there are no cards in your graveyard. So, uh, most likely there will be cards in your graveyard just because things happen. But this deck doesn't have any effects that cause that. So I just decided I would take advantage of it and if I'm lucky... I could be attacking for 10 damage for only 5 mana, which is amazing value. Next up is Siege Breaker Giant. Siege Breaker Giant is 3 red red for a 6-3 trample giant warrior and red 3 in a red. Target creature can't block this turn. Silverback Shaman, 3 green green, 5-4 trample. When it dies, draw a card. Tajuru Pathwarden for Four and a green, five, four, Vigilance, Trample. Bramble Weft Behemoth. Four green, green for a six, six, Trample. Um, next up, we have Brontotherium. Four green, green, Trample, Provoke, five, three. When this attacks, you may have target creature defending player controls. Untap mm. and block it if able. So usually, this would be a five, three, which wouldn't work that great. But when it is a 7-5, I can kill things with power 4. Or toughness 4. Well, really, I could kill it with toughness 7. But most likely, most cards, if not otherwise, uh, are the same power as their toughness. It's not really universal at all. But it is more common than them not being that. Point is... Um, I could probably kill a semi-large creature. Four power, five, four toughness is a lot to be able to kill. I can even kill up to seven, but Brontotherium would die, which kind of sucks. Uh, Canopy Dragon is four green green for a summon dragon with trample. One in a green, flying and loses trample until end of turn. So it's a four four. So I can either attack for six with trample, or I can pay two mana and attack for four with flying. Either way, it's just a way to get some extra damage in. Sometimes uh, trample will not do the trick, and I do need some flying, so that can help. Next is Carnage Tyrant. Carnage Tyrant is four green green for a seven six dinosaur, and it can't be countered, and it has trample and hexproof. So you could just be attacking for nine damage, and it's a 9-8. So, and it can't be countered, and it has Hexproof, so it's pretty hard to kill. It's just a way to get a lot of damage into your opponents. Carnicid. 4 green green, 5-4 trample, 1 green regenerate. Uh, Centaur Veteran. Oh, regenerate is if it would be destroyed or it would die. Uh, 
instead keep it tap it and remove all damage centaur veteran is five and a green for three three trample green discard a card from your hand regenerate centaur veteran uh colossal dreadmaw is four green green for a six six trample roughshed mentor five green five four green creatures you control have trample Silvos, Rogue Elemental, 3, green, 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 8, 5, Trample, Legendary, green, regenerate, Terra Snopper, 3, green, 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 8, 8, can't be countered, Trample, Thunderbrew, 4, red, red, 5, 5, Trample, Tribute, 3, uh, an opponent may choose to place 3, plus 1, plus 1 counters on it, if Tribute wasn't paid, it gains haste, Thundering, Tanadon, 4, uh, Phyrexian green, Phyrexian green. Phyrexian green can neither be paid with two life or green. Uh, trample, 5-4. Yavimaya worm. 4, green, green. 6-4, trample. Archweaver. 5, green, green. Reach, trample, 5-5. Five, five. Duskdale worm. 5, green, green. Trample, 7-7. Seven, seven. Plated green, green, green. 7-6, trample, hexproof. Rootbreaker worm. 5, green, green. 6-6, six, six, trample. That is the deck. As you can see, it is just 61 creatures with trample. And yes, I have been having actually a relatively good balance of creatures, but, and this might make it a little bit worse, but at this point I'm at enough decks that I can mess around with it a little bit and it won't mess up my numbers because I have a thousand cards and really this is only off by 30 creatures because roughly half the cards in Magic are creatures. So that is the deck. Um, as you can see, you just cast creatures and then you cast Stonebrow and then you attack. Well, you attack beforehand too. You're just trying to kill your opponents as quickly as possible. And here are just janky creatures with trample that aren't really runnable anywhere else. Yes, there are some cards here that are playable, such as Ball Lightning, uh, and others. But because of the vast majority of the deck is not, these just help it get some power and have much higher power in here than they do elsewhere. So that is the deck. I'm running 38 lands because Stonebrow is CMC5 and I have to get him out. Plus, I do run a lot of 6 and 7 drops in here. Now, the reason for that is... There's just a lot of 6 and 7 drops of Trample that are unplayable. And I've been having a really lean curve in the past. I did figure out the distribution of CMC along the, among the total, uh, among all cards. So I'm not sure it's hard to scrape the data for that. I don't have any way to measure that in my own decks, but I found out that 12% of cards are CMC1, 21% are CMC2, 24% are CMC3, 18% are CMC4, 13% uh, are CMC5, 8% are CMC6, 3% uh, are CMC7, and 8% are 1% RCMC 8. Uh, there's also a very small amount of cards that are higher than CMC 8, but I did not scrape the data for that. 
So I just used EDH rec for that. So that is a deck. Um, it would probably not work really well and be extremely weak to board wipes, but all of these decks are so, so, so much, all of these cards are so much better in here than they would be in any other deck. So it is time to go into the collection statistics. So we are at 1,103 cards. Again, we still don't have any overlap. Uh, that's a thing that I check, double check, triple check, whatever. Again, before I record the podcast, so I haven't messed that up yet. But I have been looking at my decks, building my decks, and realizing, oh man, I wish I could run this card, but I can't. Most of that is due to it being a good card that would go in other decks in the future. But a good chunk of it is also it is already there because I have 120th of the cards in Magic and a good amount of them are playable, the ones that I've used. Uh, the estimated value is $1,360, $1,360. So for this episode this week, I decided, so I wanted to figure out what the average cost per card is in Magic that are legal in Commander. So I did some Googling and I found some arbitrary numbers, just some huge numbers. I found like 168,000, I found 140,000. I've used these in past, in the past to figure out some numbers, but I, I just, they were all extremely outdated. Every single thing I found was first of all from 2015. Uh, it was pretty random that it was all from 2015. And second of all, it all had huge numbers and didn't exclude stuff, like stuff on the ban list. So I figured out that the stuff on the ban list was worth $40,000. And in the past, I just went with that $168,000 number because it seemed more accurate, seemed more reliable. And I took away the the $40,000. But then I was looking and I figured out how they did it. And I was like, hey, I could do that. So what they did was they took the cards and they put them in a spreadsheet and they just added up the row. So what I did was I went on Scryfall. I got a whole list of cards legal in Commander. I just filtered legal, Commander. Then I got it to go by rows so that the price would be there. I copied that into Excel. I copied hundreds and hundreds of cards and then I proofread the work. I made sure that it had all the cards because those algorithms, a lot of the time, they miss expensive cards. Uh, yeah, like for example, I got probably five, six thousand dollars. Actually, no, I got twenty thousand dollars of the total cost just from checking its work because it missed all of the expensive cards. It missed. Basically, 99% probably of the cards above $100 and 90% of the cards above $50. It was crazy. So I filled that all in, I added it all up, and I came out with $40,000. That's pretty cheap. If you want to buy every single card legal in Commander, it's only going to cost you $40,000. I guess only is not a great whatever. 
but $5,000 of that is just two cards, which is crazy. Um, so I divided that by the 19,440 cards and we got 221 per card. So that is the average of all of Magic Cards Legal is 221 per card. So then I went by my sample. I have 1,103 total and I have $1,359 worth of cards. And I came out 1.23. So as we have found in every single measure that I have been able to do, I am just doing great. It seems so much like I'm being plenty conservative. So that, I measured that and it only took me like five hours. Yay, that's a lot. All right, so it's time to get into the normal statistics. Uh, 1,103 cards total. Um, 678 creatures, 105 sorceries, 163 artifacts. Uh, I think that's one planeswalker, maybe two. Um, three planeswalkers, 39 lands, uh, 60 enchantments, three tribal, and 102 instants. So if we go back, we figured out that last time it was pretty accurate. Uh, I'm gonna say this time I am a little bit farther from the actual numbers, but either way, I'm not too far off. I'm still in the right ballpark. I have roughly 50% creatures and a good mix of other things with some extra of certain ones that have more. Not too not too many instants or sorceries. Those look about right. It all looks just about right to me. It's only off by a small amount. Alright. Next up we have the color distribution. I just built two red decks today and I already had way too many red cards. Uh, so I have far and away the most red. 239. Um, I do think I need to cut down on that. Uh, so next we have green at 178. Then we have black at 161, white at 153, and blue at 106. So I'm thinking I should uh, colorless also at 195 and multicolor at 71. So I'm thinking that I should probably build like an Azorius deck or something. I have a huge list of themes that I could build from uh, written down in my document that I use for this podcast to plan my episodes and all that stuff. I have a huge list of options of what decks to build. So probably next week you will see that I have an Azorius deck, but honestly, the odds of that are not that high because usually I'll just look through my list and see what inspires me at the moment, what strikes me as an interesting deck. Or just, I think, like, it. there's a lot of different reasons. But, and honestly, I don't find the cards that are just like one archetype or one theme that are super solved and the cards 
that synergize really well with it are super easy to find in one scryfall search that just don't have very many categories etc i don't love those decks but i do think that they're important and a lot of the time i choose it because i'm like wow look at the amount of unplayable cards that i can get out of the way it is time to look at the rarity disparities uh oh i could call it that uh I have 462 uncommons, 354 uncommons, and 260 rares. Ah, and 27 mythics. I have the same issue. I mean, at this point, I don't think it's a bad thing that I am being conservative. I do want this to be as conservative as possible because I do think when I'm running out of cards it's going to become a lot harder just from absence of cards, not necessarily only from absence of power level. So because I've measured it in so many different ways that say that I'm being conservative, I do believe that I am and I'm trying to be. So uh, if you do not know, there are roughly the same number of commons, uncommons, and rares in Magic, and one-eighth the number of basically all of those, the number of mythics. So I'm being plenty conservative by that measure and by every other measure that I have tried. Most of my measures are not great, and the best way, in my opinion, to measure the playability of a card is to look on EDH Rec. Yes, EDH Rec does have some biases, but it is, in my opinion, far and away the, the best way to figure out whether a card is worth playing, is if people are playing. So I calculated that 900, that the average number of decks that a card is played on in EDH Rec is 900 cards. And that was actually a lot easier to calculate than you'd think. Uh, it's not a perfect number because I assumed that people played an average of uh, 37 lands, I believe, um, for that number. But what I did was I figured out that in the average deck, it is playing 63 cards. And I have a total of roughly 300,000. Uh, these are not the numbers I used. I went more accurate when I actually calculated it. Uh, we have an average of three, we have 300,000 decks on the EDH rec database. So I figured out the number, if you calculate 300, if you multiply 300,000 by that 62, you get 1.8 million divided by that 20,000 is the 9,000 or 900. I feel like I messed up the math, math somewhere. I just tried to do that off the top of my head from memory, so the odds that I did do that are very high, but I know that when I did it originally, I did it correctly. If you understand what I'm trying to do, then you can probably use logic to figure out what the correct way to do it would be and come up with the same answer. Alright, it is time for card of the week. The card of this week, the week this week is a card that people play a ton. Actually, it's two cards. We're talking about Lightning Greaves and Swiftfoot Boots. Lightning Greaves is two for an artifact equipment, and it has equip zero, 
equipped creature gets haste and shroud and swift foot boots is two for an artifact equipment equipped one equipped creature gets haste and hexproof so what i'm doing for this is i'm figuring out the effectiveness of the protection the effectiveness of the haste is very deck dependent and hard to calculate and also dependent on your own deck for these segments i will most of the time not be doing stuff that you just calculate within your own deck because that's not hard to do you can just do those calculations and figure out how playable it is although if it does seem complicated or unlikely that the person won't actually calculate it i might do it and say here is your threshold here is how many you have to be playing in order for it to be a good card um so that might be a thing I do, but usually I'm just doing things that matter for your opponent's decks. So Lightning Greaves and Swift Foot Boots are played in a lot of decks. So what I'm doing is I'm going on the EDH Rec database and I'm finding targeted removal creatures for creatures. So spells or things that get rid of my creatures and are targeted so that they would be protected by the Lightning Greaves or Swift Foot Boots. So I discovered that it is in an average, uh, for each deck, there is an average of 2.33 target creature, targeted creature removal spells. That is uh, 650, 64 decks. So the way that you can do that is if you go on the EDHREC database and you find a way to filter or find all the creature all the cards that say a specific thing i used a list online uh for this uh and my brain and all this a lot of different things so what you can do is you can total the number of decks of those cards and then you can divide it by the EDA, the number of decks in the EDHREC database to find the average number of cards within that category in a deck. It's actually really helpful and what has gotten me most of my calculations so far. Next, so that's how many? An average of two per deck. So there are three opponents. So that's an average of seven. So that means that on average, your opponents will all have seven cards in their deck. So if you go on hypergeometric distribution calculator and you put in that there's 99 cards, 15 cards, so turn eight. If each opponent has drawn eight cards, then you find out that your opponents have a 69% chance of drawing a targeted creature removal spell. Nice. Also, so that means that just the protection part of it will protect your creature the vast majority of the time and reinforces what we all knew. It's a very good card. Honestly, I'm kind of disappointed by this. I only had one card that I analyzed that actually changed my mind. They were all what I basically expected. I didn't have really any unexpected results except for Runic Armasaur. 
Runic Armistore is actually quite playable. You're likely to get two to three cards drawn off of it, which is great draw in green. I mean, it's not a staple or anything, but it does go well in many decks that care about creatures, or decks that have any way to make your opponents use abilities, which uh, is quite uncommon, but in maybe like a group hug deck that gives your opponents mana or something, that could be relevant. Point is, the, our preconceptions are way too accurate. Like, usually it's not like that. Uh, I think that the reason for this is just that people have played with these. A lot of these cards are really tested, except for Runic Armasaur. Like, people realize, people, when they're playing, like, wait, this never really worked the way that I wanted it to. And experience just works. It, it teaches you exactly how it's helping. And somehow, in our intuition, we know that our opponents have the removal spells, even if they don't. Thanks for listening. You can find my personal architect at I'm a Johnny, A J O H N N Y. You can find my commander quest and with the link in the description below. You can find my commander quest account with the link in the description below or at commander quest. You can see the link to my collection statistics in the description and my website. You can also visit my YouTube channel, Commander's Contingencies. Also, there's a link in the description below. I will also post any relevant links, such as the decks that I went over, or if there's any news, I will post links to my source or things that have more information. I will see you next week. Oh, there will also be time blocks to tell you what times certain things in the episode are happening.